Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, uh, folks. It's Adriel Hampton, host of Government 2.0 Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a couple very special guests, uh, Jill Miller-Zimon, uh, who is a new, newly elected uh, councilwoman in Pepper Pike, Ohio, and also uh, Ari Herzog, uh, who is newly elected uh, to the town council in Newburyport, Massachusetts. And uh, excited to have those folks on today, uh, especially uh, joining them so soon after their elections uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, both of them used social media tools uh, in their elections and are prolific uh, bloggers and uh, writers in the new media space. Uh, Jill uh, blogs at writeslikeshetalks.com and Ari Herzog at ariwriter.com. So hope you'll check out those blogs and excited uh, to speak uh, to the two of them today. Uh, also wanted to mention the Great American Hackathon that's coming up. Uh, Sunlight Labs has kicked off organizing for the first Great American Hackathon, which is going to be December 12th and 13th. Uh, and the uh, community of more than 1,000 uh, open source developers are organizing events nationwide to solve problems and build out projects uh, around uh, the principles of openness, accountability, participation, and transparency. And uh, Sunlight Labs is going to be holding an event in D.C. and is hoping to uh, have similar events around the country. There's an organizing platform on the lab site, uh, and you can find more information about the hackathon uh, at sunlightlabs.com forward slash hackathon09. And uh, looking forward to uh, what that brings in December. I uh, also wanted to mention a great uh, event that I participated in uh, yesterday, which was the first uh, California data camp. And it was sponsored by a number of great uh, journalism organizations and individuals uh, and brought together uh, journalists looking uh, at how data analysis and developers uh, and new media folks can help uh, expose uh, government to sunlight as well as a uh, large group of developers and a fair amount of city folks uh, from the city of San Francisco and other uh, interested uh, government agencies coming together around the principles of open data. How can we make government more accessible, uh, more transparent, and uh, how can we actually make useful uh, sense of the data that government uh, is collecting and now uh, more and more releasing? And uh, that event actually included a SF uh, apps contest uh, where builders, uh, apps builders, developers uh, took a one-day challenge to uh, tinker around and come up with some great uh, development uh, tools, uh, excuse me, some great apps for uh, the iPhone and uh, other mobile devices. And you can learn more about that uh, <clears throat> event at uh, Spot US. Spot US is one of the sponsors. Uh, check out Spot US's Bay Area page, and uh, there's a little more information about uh, Spot US and uh, the projects uh, that it's working on. And 
<clears throat> the app that won was actually uh, an iPhone application that allows uh, folks to report uh, damage to street trees in the city of San Francisco and also to request uh, street trees. And they used the database of uh, 65,000 different street trees in San Francisco and the data sets uh, from that uh, <clears throat> category of information to create an iPhone app. And, uh, so it's pretty cool. And uh, looking forward to seeing what comes out of the Sunlight uh, Hackathon and associated efforts in December. So we're joined now by uh, Jill Miller. Uh, Zyman. Uh, Zyman. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. It's like Simon, but with a Z. Like Simon with a Z. Great. Right. And um, congratulations very much on your uh, election on Tuesday. Thank you. Um, thanks for joining us so soon after. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you're, you're still recovering from that. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm plowing my way through thanking people who congratulated me. I finished up with uh, all the Facebook thanks, and now I'm going through the emails. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's a that's a fun thing to be able to do. Though. It is. It is. I'm going to print out all of them though and keep them in my. I call it Jill's very bad, horrible day file for you know all those very bad, horrible days I may have in the future, so I can when remember. You get a hate email. It's always good to be able to pull out a dozen congratulations. <laughs> that's right? right. That's right. So, so you're a um, a writer, a political analyst, and um, and now uh, a councilwoman elect. So. Tell us a little bit about you, your background and about how uh, new media and um, some of the, the aims of Government 2.0 uh, factored into your election. And then, uh, well, I'm kind of a latent um, political wonk. I studied government and sociology in college many years ago, and while I was in college, I actually worked in the U.S. Justice Department, and I interned for my uh, congressman on the Hill. And then I spent some time abroad. I worked in a development office uh, for a few years. And then I moved out. I was on the East Coast most of the time. And then I moved out to Ohio for graduate school where I studied government or I studied um, law and social work. I got a joint degree in law and social work. And so, you know, when I was getting that degree, I knew that I was wanting to focus on kind of problem solving skills, but coming from different perspectives. And so I worked at a mental health agency after I got those degrees and licensures um, for about eight years, first as an ombudsman and then as a director of risk management. So those jobs involve listening to a lot of complaints and having to be diplomatic and figure out how to satisfy as many stakeholders as possible. Um, so I actually think that politics is, is pretty similar to that, certainly local politics and governing you know, a city, uh, and certainly a city the size of mine, which is, is pretty small. It's about 6,000 residents. So uh, after, after I had um, been working at the one agency for about eight years, I had uh, had three children during the whole eight years I was there taking uh, maternity leaves on and off. Um, I eventually stopped there, and um, I started to do some freelance writing. And after about uh, three or four years of writing, I had been on some large education projects, and I started a column, um, did a lot of uh, different kinds of features, spoke at a lot of conferences. Um, I started to blog just as a way to make myself sit down and, and write so I was sure that I was kind of keeping the, 
the pump primed with, with writing. And the Cleveland area had become quite a hub for, for bloggers. And there was a group that formed that called themselves Meet the Bloggers, and they were starting to do a series of kind of civic forums where they interview political candidates. Now, this was 2005. They started to interview all the candidates for Cleveland mayor, which at that time it was a woman named Jane Campbell, and she was running with, I think there were seven opponents, and she was eventually unseated uh, by the gentleman who was just reelected, Frank Jackson. Uh, and this group of, I don't know, maybe four to eight bloggers sat down with these folks. They podcast and they uh, live blogged what was going on, and then they would write up on their individual blogs uh, their impressions of, of these candidates. And uh, ultimately, the group interviewed probably, I don't know, 100 and 150 civic, uh, individ- you know, people, civic figures as well as candidates. So we interviewed Sherrod Brown, and we interviewed Governor Ted Strickland before he was governor, his, his opponents. We interviewed the Repub- some of the Republican opponents, including Jim Petro, um, Paul Hackett, Eric Fingerhut. It was, it was just a fantastic experience to be able to sit there with your laptop and talk to these individuals and just ask them pretty much anything we wanted and then, you know, put it online as a podcast. We had transcripts. And then we all blogged uh, about what we thought. So that kind of really reengaged me with politics. And then on a local level, I was doing a lot of little things with my community. Um, the, the biggest thing I ended up doing was getting our political yard sign law changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading about that. Our town only allowed one yard sign. Period. And it, for for no matter, so you could only pick one candidate from. Uh, you couldn't Every, put a presidential sign and a council sign on the same. Exactly, stand. you could only wow. pick one. So, it, so you know, which really, it's not just a question of being unconstitutional um, and and really over restricting your freedom of speech, but it wasn't practical. You know, you could have a county. You know, you could have a levy for your schools, and you could want to vote for governor, but you had to choose who you would have a yard sign for. Now, you know, it's it's a pretty affluent, um, somewhat rural suburb, not really rural anymore, but it used to be, um, where a lot of people who live out here, you know, they don't they don't like what they consider to be the, the aesthetic pollution of the yard signs. But the fact was that every community around us um, and several communities that were ranked higher than our community in local rankings of the suburbs all allowed many more signs than we did. Uh, There were also a bunch of lawsuits going on around the state and around the country regarding yard sign restrictions. And those lawsuits almost always fail. It's extremely difficult for for a community to restrict yard signs, um, political yard signs. Uh, you know, you can restrict certain things about them, how long they can be up and their size, but you can't restrict too much more than that. And, and that's how all the cases were being decided. And so I kind of said, look, you know, I really don't think that our community wants us to spend tens of thousands of dollars fighting something which we can see is already failing throughout the state. And um, And they were persuaded and they... They changed it. So that led to me being called the most influential person in Pepper Pike <laughs> at the beginning of this year. Um, I had not, I didn't know anything about it. It was something that one of the local papers does every year. And after that happened, I started to think that, you know, well, maybe, you know, maybe I should think about how could I, you know, get on the inside and, and, and maybe contribute more. 
So that's really how, what led me to running. Um, you know, simultaneously with all of that going on, I was doing a lot with social media, getting very involved in women in leadership programs, the White House Project, uh, which is a nonpartisan uh, program for recruiting and training women who are interested in getting into politics, um, and, you know, other things like that. And, um, you know, really kind of had my uh, inner activist uh, fire lit up by some of these things. And, you know, I... I follow the model of people a lot younger than myself who are much more engaged online, and and I I see how they connect. And, you know, it it sounds kind of parochial, but for, you know, someone who's more or less a full-time mother but with an awful lot of other interests beyond parenting, um, you know, the online world is a fantastic place to become active and to learn. And I do believe you need to take that outside of the house, you know, outside of the the screen and and do stuff face-to-face. But, you know, I do see that it's all ultimately connected. So, you know, I think as far as the the 2.0 stuff, um, both in campaigning and in a city council setting, I think that's exactly what it's about, trying to find people wherever they are. So my community, which is somewhat typical of older suburbs or aging suburbs, we've now got a real mixture of people who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then the younger families who are buying the homes of those who are retiring or having to move to other kinds of living situations. And they want to be reached by email or on their cell phones, and they want to be able to get their information more instantaneously and electronically and not build up piles and piles of papers. Um, And that's at odds with some of the older generation who, you know, either they don't have computers or they think computers take you away from real-life interaction. So, you know, I I think those are some of the challenges I'm going to be facing. But uh, slowly, slowly they are recognizing the the money savings, the efficiency, and I'm hoping ultimately just how much you can engage the residents. Great. And we have, uh, we're joined by Ari Herzog, who just won uh, election in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Ari, are you with us? I'm here. Great. And Ari, I'm wondering if you uh, face some of the same uh, challenges in your election that you've got very different types of populations and trying to, to bring them all along with your electoral effort and now you know, how to engage with citizens uh, as, a, as a newly elected official. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, congratulations, how are you doing? by the way. Hi. Uh, good. Hi, Ari. Good, good. I, I, it's it, yeah, uh, similar to Jill. She she said what a uh, Pepper Pike's what six thousand people or so. Yes. New report here. We're in uh, northeastern Massachusetts. There are about seventeen thousand people, um, which is still not a lot by you know a standard city population. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. I um. I announced my candidacy back in the beginning of June, and I, from the from the beginning, I had set up a campaign. I had previously I had previously been using Facebook and Twitter, and I had previously had a blog, and I set up unique campaign sites. Uh, I had set up a campaign Facebook page so people could support me. I um, created a, a, a Twitter. A Twitter feed, and I created a campaign blog, um, and it's been interesting seeing the. Um, it's been interesting seeing the numbers in terms of who has manually opted in to follow the different feeds, and 
I can say Facebook is probably where the greatest, there's probably the greatest proportion of new report people um, on Facebook, where it's Hmm. probably a a 50-50 mix, uh, because it, you know, Facebook allows me to see where someone is coming from, that is, if they're a user and if they have an account, then if their account is set up to be a hometown, if they new report, then I can see that information. And it's about a 50-50 mix. Um, a lot of people, several other people like yourself, Adriel, you know, I, I believe you had manually checked in that, like, follow Ari Herzog on Facebook, um, c- campaign on Facebook, you know, you skew the results. So, um, so yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, a lot of the folks in town, I'd say most people have an email address. Um, I was... I've been surprised here and there from people who said they read my blog and subscribed to get email notifications of new blog updates. Um, people who I, one who I may have known and didn't think they followed blogs, and two from other people who just approached me um, and said, "Hell yeah, I read your blog," and yada yada yada. <laughs> um, but but it's not just it's not just um, as I'm sure Joel can attest. It's not just of the social media stuff, it's the, 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 the primary factor in getting elected. It doesn't matter if you have an email account or not. It's really about name recognition, um, name awareness, um, door knocking and, and handshaking and, and uh, going to neighborhood mixers and, um, and uh, you know, having, having those, those yard signs up mm-hmm. and, and so forth. So. I, Jill, there was something I, I loved on your blog of uh, the, the, the top ten things you mm-hmm. learned or reaffirmed by running for Pepper Pike City Council. And uh-huh. the, the hilarious one, I still love Pepper Pike probably even more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of tells you the, the uh, you know, having run for election this uh, spring and fall myself and mercifully having been done a couple of months before you guys, it's it's a grueling process. It's something that uh, yeah, I think you, it's good if it can make you love your community more because it's easy to to feel the other side. But it's a lot of uh, it's a it's 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 a uh, very grueling process. Well, you know, and, it, it definitely can leave you bitter if you let it. Um, and I, I won't lie, you know, there there were plenty of moments. That, I don't know, both of you could could speak to this. Uh, I'm sure. You know, there are moments where it's such a paradox you feel you know you're getting great support you're in your support bubble if you will but you're you can still feel incredibly alone you know because it's really up to you there's there's no one else if you don't do it if you don't ask people to help you if you don't motivate those people to to help you it's it's down to just you so um you know i think that the highs and lows are really can be really far apart um, while you're running, but yeah, it is grueling, and especially running as an as a challenger. And uh, I'm not sure about your situations, but in my situation, the mayor wasn't actively running against me, um, but he did endorse um, every, uh, four other people and not me. I didn't ask for the endorsement. Um, for, for a number of strategic reasons, but um, you know, to run and win without the support of the people who are in office, you know, that that just multiplies 
the degree of difficulty, I think. Um, but, you know, going back to, you know, what this is about and the, the 2.0 and Ari was going over the different things that he used, uh, I used pretty much uh, the same kinds of tools, you know, the Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, YouTube, um, I also used LinkedIn. I tried to get a group going for people who live in my community um, on LinkedIn, but it, you know, LinkedIn is quite different. Um, I haven't really. I'm sure there are people out there who have studied uh, much more specifically the differences in terms of who those two different, you know, who is attracted to LinkedIn versus Facebook. But you know, they they do overlap, but they don't overlap a ton. Um, Facebook, you know, I found that I kind of maxed out at the number of residents who even do Facebook fairly early on. Um, and I think that I hit about, I don't know, I don't think there's more than 100 residents, believe it or not, <laughs> who actually do Facebook. Now, there's probably more um, 18 and unders in the community who use it, but the penetration is pretty pretty low um, for some of the social media stuff. Twitter is even tinier. In fact, I, I'm not aware of any other resident who's on Twitter, uh, certainly not um, over 18. So, did, did you hear about people, though, reading your, your Twitter feed uh, locally, or were people keeping yes. up with it, or newspapers? Yes, uh, and in fact, that was one of the coolest things. And of course, now I'm trying to get all the, all the journalists that I know to try and cover this. Um, it, it, it appears that I may be, and I don't know, um, Ari, if you've been following this, Adriel, maybe you are. Um, Alan Rosenblatt of the Center for American Progress and I have been trying to figure out just how many bloggers have gone to become politicians or have gone on to um, run for office and win. And right now it looks like I'm the only female political blogger in the country who has done that. And Alan, I don't know if you know Alan, but he's he's a pretty experienced, uh, seasoned think tank guy. and um, has, He should know. Yes, he's got some pretty good contacts. So we're still working on that, but um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, given, given the kind of um, lower level of sophistication in terms of social media here. But, but um, you know, I, because of the blogging that I've done over the years, including a several-week stint with The Plain Dealer on their online um, newspaper version called Cleveland.com, um, I, I have a number, I have a lot of relationships with journalists throughout the state, and many of them um, were following me and, and follow me normally anyway. So, for example, when I started to test out Facebook ads, which I only did for the last seven or eight days, um, the guy who hosts our uh, kind of political civic forum on our uh, our uh, NPR affiliate, the station is called WCPN. Uh, the show is called Sound of Ideas, and it's hosted by a guy named Dan Malthrop. And I had been on his uh, reporter's roundtable every other week for about a year back in 2007, and, and I know Dan. Um, one of my Facebook ads came up on his page, and he emailed me immediately, and he said, hey, I just saw your Facebook ad. And so, you know, there was there was – a word-of-mouth kind of thing that started to go around with the media and with some other people, the fact that I was even using Facebook ads. Now, how many of those ended up getting read by people, voters, actually in Pepper Pike? I, I don't know. Um, but uh, Ari, did you try um, Did you try Facebook ads at all? No, but I, I. it's interesting how you just said a minute ago how you were pretty much focusing on people over the age of 18. 
because one of the things I did in the last, in probably in the final two weeks leading up to Election Day, is I, um, we also have a greater segment of people um, in town who are using these tools. Uh, Twitter is by far, the, by far the smallest, but there is approximately, I don't know, 150 to 200 either individuals or organizations that, that tweet on a, um, on a daily or every other day basis. Um, but one of the things I did with Facebook is I had, because everyone who, everyone who lived or worked in, uh, in a new report I was already following from my campaign account and we were, you know, engaging with each other in some form or fashion, what I did with Facebook is I, um, I sent some targeted messages to uh, people who I didn't know, but who marked New Report as their home. Either people who currently live in town, people who might have been born in New Report, never change it off their Facebook account, and maybe are off in college somewhere. Um, folks who are in age, oh, I don't know, between 15 and up. And uh, pretty much my message was simple, where it's like, dear John, because uh, you can only limit, I can only send it to one person at a time because I'm not friends with them. D Dear John, uh, you don't know me, but uh, I'm running for a city council in New Report. Here's a link for more information about me. This is who I am. If you can share, uh, share this with people who you might know who are voted in New Report, great. If not, well, delete this message. It's your choice. And I probably sent a message like that. I was limited to how many I could send at a time because Facebook kept giving me messages that they thought I was a spammer, but um, I probably sent about 300 to 400 messages to people who um, either lived in town or lived in adjoining towns and were part of a common Facebook group, what have you, mm -hmm. and um, I began very quickly to receive some responses from people, probably like a 1% response rate, but still significant enough where one person, for instance, I sent a message to was a Newburyport school teacher, and she asked me a few questions back and forth, and then she sent an email to all of her colleagues in the school system who were also voters in town. Hmm. Someone else who I um, sent a message to who actually didn't reply back to me, he was uh, 18 years old. He, um, uh, it turns out this was going to be his first election, and I knew his father, because his father mentioned to me a week later saying, hey, uh, my son just, uh, my son was so thrilled that you sent him a Facebook message because he's <laughs> interested in politics and blah, 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 blah. Turns out his son voted for me, and for all I know, his son told his friends to vote for me. Okay. So, um, so, so, you know, so that was, uh, that was kind of interesting when you mentioned the, uh, you know, the, the, the ages. I think, um, you know, the, one of the lessons from both of our experiences is that, you really need to meld both the traditional with whatever new is the way that people are, are finding their information and, and wanting to hear news. So, for example, I spent a lot of time in the early months dividing up my voter registration information that I'd gotten from our Board of Elections on a CD-ROM. You know, it was in a very nice Excel spreadsheet, and it had tons and tons and tons of information, voter history and all kinds of stuff. And um, the you have more information than I do. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. You didn't. Uh, they, you no, didn't have I, access. I, I, well, I had, a, I, I had, I had access to a voter list from from '07, and I could have received it from prior years. But it would be, 
it would have been limited information than what it sounds like you were talking about. Oh, yeah, this was really, really uh, rich with, with data. And, in fact, in fact, what I did was <laughs> I met with a gentleman named Valdis Krebs. Valdis is a pretty well-known guy in a lot of uh, niche circles, but he's, he's internationally known because he does network mapping at a very high level. So, for example, he was one of the first people to look at the connections between the 9-11 terrorists, and the New York Times Magazine covered some of his work. And he does a lot of things like that at a very high level, of, uh, and he's got his own software that he has developed to help people network map um, very complicated connections. So I went and met with him. He happens to live on the west side of Cleveland. And I said, okay, I just got this data on over 5,000 voters. Now what do I do with it? How do I see the connections? And over time, he and I talked about what I could do with the information and what would be efficient and what would help me, you know, kind of get to the people I need to get to. And so the further it got into the election season and the more I was realizing who the absentee voters were going to be and what what population that was going to leave who hadn't voted but would vote for me, that's when I really started to tailor how do I get to those people. And that's when I started to think about using the Facebook ads versus using individuals to do the typical friends postcards, but then also to use their email list. This is a community where a lot of the streets have street associations that are very established, but they haven't all moved into even using email yet. But those who have were willing to email people for me once I was able to say, here's a list of people on your street who didn't vote absentee. We need to make sure they get out to vote on Tuesday. So we would hit those people in a variety of ways. I would message them on Facebook. I would put things on Twitter. Uh, I would have things sent through email blasts through my campaign. Plus, you know, they would be touched, so to speak, by the people on the street. And Ari, I don't know if you or Israel, you know, have been told this, but I had heard numerous times that you need to touch people seven times. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's direct mail or it's a phone call or it's a friend or it's a face-to-face but that you need to touch people seven times before it will really sink in and they'll remember who you are and that they need to go vote for you. So, you know, I really tried to use as many different tools as I thought would get to people. Something else that I did in terms of understanding who the demographics were that would vote, I was able to take that list, Ari, and see that we only have in my community about 500 to 550 individuals who were ages 18 to I think it was 25. I broke it down. And of those, the majority are out of state but list their parents as their address. I had a couple of people I knew um, who were very eager to help, um, who were uh, high school seniors uh, and a couple of uh, college students, take a look at that complete list of 500 or so individuals and see who they knew, which parents they knew, things like that. And so I kind of delegated out um, getting some help in trying to identify. Then what I also did was because the community that I'm in within my town has a pool, we have a little uh, like pool club um, for about 12 streets. Well, a lot of the kids on that swim team for this little pool 
Um, they're all in college now. So I reached out, to, and they're all on Facebook. So I contacted either them or I would contact their parents and say, because I, I thought it might be a little creepy for them to have me contact them. You know, like, oh, why is this? lady, yeah. Right. Why is Mrs. Zyman? I, I babysat for her son, but why is she contacting me through Facebook? You know, because I know when my, my kids' friends try and reach me on Facebook, it kind of creeps me out a little. So I would contact the parents, and I would say, hey, you know, I see that so-and-so is registered to vote. Do you mind if I just send them a message and let them know I'm running for office? And uh, and I saw, as the absentee returns were coming in, I saw several of those come in. So that was that was kind of neat. It's really cool. And we, we've been just joined by uh, Steve Ressler uh, from GovLoop. And, uh, Steve, did you want to say hi uh, to our great guest tonight? Yeah, just wanted to congratulate everyone. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, awesome that you guys uh, won and just wanted to uh, send my, you know, welcome and congrats and uh, looking forward to all the awesome things you'll do over the next couple of years. Thanks. We'll try. Well, Adriel, what did you, you know, what was your experience? How how does what we're talking about um, overlap with what you did? Well, I shouldn't have gone for such a large geographic, and, you know, and large voter population because touching people seven times in a congressional district is uh, pretty darn hard <laughs> if you don't have a million bucks. Um, so, so that was probably the the uh, you know one of the biggest things. But um, the other things I, I did, and I'm learning from from the two of you is, is some of the, the last minute, or not last minute, but the last two or three weeks, you know, where you're reaching out to uh, folks who might get excited about you posting on their Facebook wall, uh, folks who, you know, haven't voted, um, and being able to tailor your, your message at the end. Facebook ads was something I did use, but I used it way too early uh, mm-hmm. before any newspaper had written about me. So mm-hmm. I was very successful in getting a lot of... Um, Social media people interested in blogging about the campaign. I definitely, you know, had had the most uh, variety of bloggers writing about my campaign of any of the candidates. But when it came to you know election day, I had by far the least number of votes. And, and I think that something like Facebook ads would have been much more effective. Basically, by the end, I was out of money and uh, so was not using them. And if I had have done what I did at the you know five months before the election in the last few weeks, uh, it could have been very effective because uh, it's interesting to me. I had, you know, a dozen communities that I was trying to reach out to, and you can tailor the ads. So I had ads that, you know, depending on where you were, it would look like it was for your community. It would say, you know, Lafayette residents for Hampton, you know, that kind of thing, instead of um, just I'm running for council, or excuse mm-hmm. me, for Congress. And the uh, the problem was is that in that the, the whole seven touches uh, philosophy, which I think is very true, people have to hear your name over and over uh, before they're willing to, to to make an effort on your behalf. Uh, it would have been better if they had probably read about me in the newspaper, or seen my picture, and then got one of those ads because you just get it out of nowhere and I think you're gone. Who? What? Why? Now, one uh, of the interesting things from the fundraising perspective, Adriel, is that. Uh, my, I would actually say that all the social networking stuff that I've done over the last couple of years actually paid off the most in terms of fundraising. I received donations from so many people outside of my town because I've been 
working to connect with people on issues that are important to me, whether it's women, tech, education, government, politics, um, for a couple of years now. And when they see somebody, and I bet you both got this too, though, when other people see someone take the leap to kind of stick their neck out and go into public service, there's a lot of people who are really, they know that they could never push themselves to go do that, but they're thrilled to support someone who will. And I got a lot of, I got donations from people I've never met. Um, I got donations from a lot of people I've never met before um, just because of that. People, uh, you know, blog the Blogger community, I know how familiar you are with them, but they've got like 10 million members, and I was writing an every other week column about what it was like to run. I got some donations from women who would read those and just say, I'm so thrilled that you're running. I just think it's great. And even if it was only $10, you know, in a small race, $10 is, you know, anything is significant. So so that was kind of, that was another interesting way that being online and, and being connected through a variety of, of social media um, just kind of helped amplify uh, the effort. Oh, for sure. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. There was a point where I wrote a uh, I wrote a blog post on, on GovLoop, and I, I in in over the course of what three paragraphs, I asked anyone who was reading it to um, share a dollar with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 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 when I filed my campaign finance report uh, before election day, the largest campaign contribution came from someone who had read that GovLoop post mm. and uh, someone who worked for the uh, Timoney Hood. She worked for the, um, the US EPA out in California, decided, hey, I like that you're asking me. A lot, of, a lot of politicians don't ask for money. You're asking for money. You're putting it online. Sure, I'll send you a check. Isn't that neat? I think that's Timoney was so my uh, biggest contributor, too. She's been a great supporter of uh, social media folks running for office. You know? Thank her very much. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, extend that. So, Ari, what did you see as far as um, you know, social media people taking interest in in your election and and uh, you know having a wider network, a much wider network than uh, your small town of, of Newburyport. Uh, and also, there's what I think Walter Neary is is a councilman who's involved in social media, but there's very few. Uh, local politicians who who are heavily engaged in social media. In terms of outside of New Report, people who are using different social media channels today, um, I received a lot of support from Walter Neary, who's um, a, a councilor in a uh, city councilor up in uh, uh, Washington, state of the state of Washington. Uh, Sid Burgess, who's um, out in uh, Oklahoma City, is a, a former councilor. Um, uh, two folks who I who I used to work with in Boston, who both had run for Boston City Council. Uh, one is uh, Robert Forts, and the other is Tito Jackson, um, and, and a variety of people here or there. But uh, and so and so I turn to I turn to these I turn to people like whether it's Sid or, or, or Walter or whoever, and I turn to them whether it's through Twitter or through email or even the telephone, to, to ask questions now, time and time again in terms of, well, what do you think about this? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, at the same time, I was also turning to people in Newburyport, former city councilors and current city councilors, um, asking them questions, whether by email or 
over the phone or in person about, well, hey, what do you think? Should I do this? Should I do that? And based on a combination of what I was receiving from people in New Report and what I was receiving from people outside of New Report is, you know, ultimately something worked. Hmm. Um, but I, but but to, to go big picture, Adriel, um, I think what ultimately led, led to my election was to to what to what extent I could have gotten gotten elected without any social media is is a big question mark. I don't know, but um, clearly clearly the, um, the the postcards that I had and the the yard signs that I had and the door knocking that I did and all of that. Without any of that, you, you can't get elected, Absolutely. at least not in today's not in today's communities. So, you know, so, social media, be, be it blogging, be it Facebook, what have you, is important. But hey, many of my many of my uh, many of my, my many other people who run don't use any of the stuff, and they still win. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's very much we're using. Uh, Social media technologies for uh, election on on any level is still a very early uh, prospect. You definitely have to be able to translate. Uh, somebody said something yesterday at uh, the California Data Camp. So I was doing a session on Citizen 2.0, basically engaging traditional activists in uh, online uh, media, Web 2.0 tools. And somebody said, "Well, you still have to be a good organizer. If you you know you can't take a bad organizer and put them on the web." And right. Yeah, that'll make it even, that'll be even messier. I mean, you know, and that's definitely one of the risks um, that if you're not, in fact, I was, uh, I was at a meeting Wednesday night where they were asking me a lot of questions about, uh, the the old guard was asking me a lot of questions about how I did what I did. And, uh, you know, I said, you have to be, the, the, the internet stuff, the online social media stuff, the mobile stuff can be a huge asset, but you have to be disciplined and you have to understand the scope of how much it can do and how much it can't do. And, uh, you know, a lot of people said that to me over and over again. The first, uh, I pulled petitions in April, so I started pretty early. Um, traditionally here, they don't, people don't pull their petitions till Ju- the end of July. Uh, the filing date's usually the third week of August. Um, so I was reminded repeatedly to remember, even though so much of my world is is lived online in terms of uh, a lot of the, you know the blogging and some of the other connections and you know activism that I do that when it comes down to winning a local election in a city this size it's it's door to door it's face to face it's word of mouth um it's working the connections that you already have and if those people aren't connected and aren't using online tools then you really have to scale back just how much uh, you know how far you go with some of that. I would say that the email was incredibly effective. It also, for people of a certain demographic, and I would say you know 50 years old and younger, the email was huge. They, I got so many people saying, "This is the most professional campaign that's ever come to this city." I was so thrilled to be getting your emails and knowing what you were up to and what you were spending the money on, and and you know what was happening next and where did I need to go. People loved that, and they were not used to it at all. I was the first candidate ever for city council to even have a website, a campaign website. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so now the, another one of the other challengers also uh, who, who filed much later than I did, he also uh, ha- did have a website eventually. But, um, but we were the only we, two. We all, everyone in, every, uh, 
most of the people running for city council and or mayor had websites. I think, I think, yeah, most of us had websites. Some didn't, and um, I was the only person who had a blog. I was the only person using Twitter. Um, others were using Facebook, but um, but what was, what was interesting, Jill, is you just mentioned the, the the age of 50. I had a couple folks who were over 50, people specifically in their in their 70s, who um, you know senior citizens, uh, and some in their 70s actually, who were using um, who were reading my blog, subscribed mm-hmm. to my blog, mm-hmm. um, receiving the emails and going back and forth to me, you know, several times a day, and it, it was very uh, very. Uh, very much of an eye opener. I think of... that's fantastic. I, I I wrote this story up. Um, I, I put it. I don't know. It was either on Facebook. I don't think I put it on my blog. But uh, one of my favorite stories is that uh, a couple, a very very uh, well respected couple in the community uh, who who are who are older, um, had told me about how they had tried to get used to using a computer. They had hired somebody to help them, but in the end, it it just wasn't for them, and they got rid of the computer. And when they were talking to another resident about my campaigning. Uh, and and the resident was very respectful, but you know ultimately wasn't someone who was interested in supporting me. One of the comments that this resident made to this other couple was, "And you know, she writes a blog." <laughs> um, and and so the couple who had had the computer and got rid of it, they called me up and they said, "Jill, you know, we were talking with someone and 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 they said." And you know she writes a blog, and they said, Jill, we don't we don't know what a what, what is a blog, and is it a bad thing? <laughs> uh, Jill and Ari, I'm sorry, we're we're out of time here. The um, I got to start giving people a five minute warning. Uh, the so I think we've just gone off air, and it'll it'll continue for a second. Uh, it'll continue recording. So you go ahead and Jill, finish your your story. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Just that you know that that this. You know, there is this notion for people who don't know what a blog is that it's some mysterious, uh, I don't know, you know, they only know from reading about it in mainstream media or hearing about it on the radio. And so it's it's interesting, that kind of divide between, you know, the really plugged in and the, the not quite as plugged in. Did you convince them that it was a good thing? I, I believe I did. I well, I've developed a relationship with with the couple, and I I actually sent them a whole bunch of examples of different kinds of blogs and blog posts, and you know, yeah, I gave them my little spiel about the, the good the blogs. You know, it, it reminded me of of the Wizard of Oz, where they ask, you know, are you a good witch or a bad witch? You know, yeah, are you yeah. a good oh, blog or a bad funny. blog? I guess they needed the printed blog. Or do you remember that newspaper that was very short lived? Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, uh, both of you, for joining me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it always seems like we could talk uh, much longer, and I, I hope to have, you know, you guys on in the future as you learn, uh, you know, how to govern uh, in a in a new media world, and uh, maybe get more citizens participating with you in that way. Uh, I'm sure there'll be other uh, other stories and other lessons uh, to take away, uh, you know, around this show's theme. Uh, Jill, thank you so much, and Ari, thank you, and uh, congratulations again to you both. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. asking me to do it. Yeah. Congrats, guys. It's very cool. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And, uh, folks, thank you for tuning in tonight uh, or for listening to the uh, to the replay of this podcast. On November 15th, next uh, week's show, we'll have William Eggers and John O'Leary, uh, author of 
doing big things, excuse me, if we can put a man on the moon, getting big things done in government. And Bill Eggers is the uh, individual who termed, uh, coined the term Government 2.0 uh, several years back. We're excited to have uh, those two authors on the show, and uh, we'll have a great conversation with them next Sunday. Uh, thank you, and good night. <laughs>